There he is. Hey, guys. How you doing, Mr. Geyser? Good, thank you. Yeah? Doing great, man. It's an honor to meet you. Um, everybody calls me Dark Side from the Moto X Pod show here in the United States. But, man, it's uh, an honor to talk to a three-time world champion. Same, same, same. I mean, it's nice to, to talk a little bit with you, and uh, we will see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we got a little bit of a bad connection here, I think. Um, you're, I don't know. How does it sound on your end? Okay. Yes, I can hear you correctly. So. Okay. okay. All it's right. Good. Well, yeah. I want to. I want to thank a Cherbies for allowing me to do this. Uh, for decades, a Cherbies has been one of the leaders in motorsport, plastic, and technology. Check them out at Cherbies USA. Um, well, Mr. Geyser. Um, Coming from Slovenia, what was what was motocross like just as a child? Was it something that was very popular in your country? Um, I know your dad rode, but is it a big deal over there? I mean, uh, Slovenia is a really small country. We are just over two million people living here. So basically, uh, until I mean, a couple of years ago, uh, nobody actually know what kind of sport is motocross. So uh, <laughs> okay. it was not easy to come from such a small country and then uh, do a good results and also succeed in this kind of sports. So uh, basically I started riding dirt bike when I was two and a half years, uh, when I have two and a half years and my dad was racing, he's still racing. Uh, so basically he got me into that and uh, yeah, I'm I'm still here racing, uh, doing what I love to do, and uh, yeah, it's nice. Yes, yeah, so as a child in a small country like Slovenia, what's it like growing up? Um, you know, obviously, I'm from America, so I only really know what it's like here, but what's popular in America? What do kids do normally in your country? Basically, we, we, we have a lot of good uh, athletes in snow sports, you know, because we have our Alps. We have a good winter over here. So basically, many people are, uh, you know, skiing, ski jumping, stuff like that. You know, uh, even like we have many good athletes in all kinds of sports. Uh, we have good basketball players as well, you know, footballers, uh, motocross riders. So basically, yeah. we are a really small, small country, but we have a lot of good sportsmen. So uh, that's good. That's cool. Uh, okay, so we know that your dad rode, and then you, of course, he gets you involved with motocross. How quickly, at a young age, did you find a passion for it? As soon as you saw him riding, were you interested, or did it take you getting on a bike before you were really fell in love? Mm, I mean, it was immediately, you know. Uh, since I was born, I was on the races with, with him, uh, always following him. Uh, and then, you know, uh, he saw that I was really interesting, interested in, in motocross, I mean, riding dirt bike, but I was only just two and a half years, I mean, uh, so I was still quite young, small for the, for, the, for the bikes, you know, even if, you know, he put me first time on the 50 PV Yamaha, you know, the bike is really little, but I still was too small for it but anyway uh he just showed me where's the gas where's the brakes and i kind of like start to ride and then from then on i fell in love with that sport and uh since that day i was dreaming to 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 become a world champion so uh yeah i was following my goals following my my dreams and uh they came true yeah it's really all you need to know where the gas is and where the brake is that's it <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah um, okay, so you started racing at a pretty young age. What was amateur racing like for you? How much traveling did you have to do? Was it difficult? Basically, it was, yeah, it was not easy. Uh, I'm coming from the family that we didn't have a lot. I mean, uh, my father was working and all what he earned, he get, he gave for motocross. I mean, for uh, buying the new bikes for me, uh, for, you know, uh, traveling expenses, stuff like that, uh, because you know all the races. I was racing in European Championship, so we 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 were traveling with the old camper around the Europe. Uh, so it was it was fun time uh, hanging out. I mean, being together with with the family. Uh, 
but it was sometimes it was tough, but uh, we went through these tough times and uh, it was okay. I mean, it, it was yeah. worth it. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, yeah. Um, that's one good thing about our sport at the amateur level. It's very family oriented. Uh, you know, the families can all ride, the, the little brothers and sisters, the moms can ride or watch, uh, whether, you know, I see that here in the States at all our amateur, it's just, there's campers and families everywhere. And I think that's super important about our sport. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's the same also here in Europe, uh, basically everywhere, because, you know, when the beginning is always like, I think the biggest sponsor is your family, <laughs> you know, it's your dad. Yeah. So, uh, he's there for you. I mean, he buy all the things that you need, the gear, you know, the bikes, uh, food, everything. So, uh, yeah, it's really important to have a good relationship with the family because I think they are the ones that bring you into any sport, you know, not just, of course. you know, like everyone who, 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 uh, who is a sportman, you know, like on the beginning, they need someone from the family that bring them into the sport, you know? And I think that's that's important. Oh, absolutely. So you talked about it being your dream almost instantly to become a world champion. Um, was there ever a time as a child that you thought, oh, I'd love to go to the United States to, for the amateur racing scene, such as Loretta Lynn's? Or were you very content staying where you were? Basically, uh, I didn't even know about Loretta Lynn's till I was like something like 10, 12, 10, 11 years, something like that, something like that. but basically uh, never, you know, thought about going there and do these kind of amateurs uh, races over there in the U.S. Uh, because we had a really strong European championship as well, uh, you know, 65, 85, and then 1 to 5. Uh, so I was basically doing that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how yeah. it was. I understand. Um, so Giuseppe Luongo, who is control of the GPs, I believe he, he was a big proponent, like really thought you had a lot of talent as a young, young kid from what I heard. Was he supportive of you as a, as a young age and amateurs? Did he help you get, uh, to the pro level? Yeah. Uh, basically I met him when I came into one to five class because it was the year when, uh, when they make all the races for amateurs, you know, in one to five class, we were like part of the MGPs, you know, uh, because we were like racing on the same track, racing on the same dates. And that was kind of like uh, the beginning of it uh, in 2011, 2012, when I, uh, when I was riding one to five. And, uh, you know, you can see now that, you know, uh, one to five, 250 EMX, you know, they are all part of the, MXGP weekend, you know, they are yeah. racing on the same dates, you know, and that was kind of like the beginning when I was back in one to five, you know, in 2011. And for sure, he helped us a lot, you know, uh, he gave us some advice, you know, helping with the teams because I think that was a main point, uh, you know, because I was good, but you know, it's not easy to find a good team, you know, so yeah, uh, he helped a lot, yeah. Yeah, I was actually talking to Talon Volan earlier before we did this interview, and, you know, Max came mm -hmm. over for a little bit for the 125s, um, and, and we see in the GPs how talented you guys are at outdoors, especially, uh, you know, when you came to Redbud a couple years ago, you know, they kind of made our guys look pretty bad on our own track. Uh, you guys ride so much outdoors, and, and the way the 125 class is put into the GP weekend. I think it's very beneficial, um, something that maybe we should try to do here in the United States. Uh, just talk about that, having that opportunity to go ride on the same weekend as the GP guys, the same tracks, and be in that environment. How much did that help you? I think it helps a lot, you know, because, uh, you know, growing up, you know, coming through the classes, 65, 85, and then you came to 1 to 5, and that is the last step before you are moving to MX2. So basically before you are becoming a pro rider, you know? So uh, it was nice to, to race on the same track, you know, with the, with a huge, uh, many fans are on the track, you know, because it was different. Yeah. We were not used to. So uh, it's nice to get some years of racing European championship. And then I think it makes you 
are better and more ready for MX2, you know, and then MXGP. So uh, it's a it's a good uh, good step, I would say. Yeah, I think you guys are doing it right for sure. Um, okay, I've heard that Ricky Carmichael was maybe your favorite rider or one of your favorite riders growing up. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, why why did you like Ricky so much? I mean. I was always watching all the videos on the YouTube, you know, from uh, Supercross, from, uh, from from the battles that he and uh, James had, you know, uh, in Supercross and outdoors. So uh, basically, he was a he was, to me was an idol because you know he never gave up. He was always so determined. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's why I think I was always looking up to him. Did you ever, did you get a chance to ever visit with him and talk to him? Yeah, basically in 2017, I was on his farm. Oh, that's uh, right. We did, we did some videos filming uh, even, yeah, there in Florida where he lives. So, uh, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, he's super nice, man. He's a good guy. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some of these championships. So in 2007, first place uh, on 65cc European champion. 2009, first place, 85cc champion. 2012, first FIM MX 125 junior world champion and 125 European champion. A lot of championships in your early days, building to what you've become with the world championships. What were those early championships, those amateur championships like? like? You had this goal of becoming a world champion. So you win these amateur championships. Was it easy for you? And did you know, like, at that point, did you know, like, I really do have an opportunity to become the best? I mean, yeah, it was definitely nice to win that kind that kind of titles, you know, uh, 65, 85, and then 1 to 5. So uh, I was, I mean, every title gives you even more motivations, uh, motivation. And, uh, you know, when I became the European champion first time in 2007, then I really, really say to myself, that's it. I mean, I have the talent. I will work really hard to be successful. And uh, that's what I did. And I really never, never give up. I was always just yeah. pushing, pushing hard. I mean, training hard. Uh, never lost the motivation. You know, even if I get injured, if I was like, if, if I have broken bones, I was always like, uh, you know, waiting for the day that I can go back on the bike and start to train again. So uh, I think that's that's what was motivating me, you know, to to be even better every day. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I win the titles. And uh, from now on, you know, like now when you are a pro, you look back to all these kind of days. And you see that, uh, you know, it was really important to always be motivated, motivated to never give up and uh, to always go forward, you know? Yeah, that's in talking to guys like yourself at your level, uh, talking to guys like Ricky Carmichael, uh, Ricky Brabeck I talked to last week, world champions have that attitude, like never give up, never stop working. Something Ricky Brabeck said was, he never feels like he could go hang out with his friends or go to a movie almost because he feels like that's taking away from his goal of working. And somebody like myself, I don't have that kind of motivation. That's why I'm a slow amateur and I just ride for fun. So it takes something very special for a guy like yourself to do what you do. And, and it's to be commended. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I mean, uh it's it's not me it's not easy i mean like from from the people you know uh, sometimes someone came to me you know and say that uh, they wish that they they had my life you know like but anyway it's not so easy you know you have to really <laughs> work hard you know like it's not just that moment what they can see you know when you're on the podium when you're winning but you know behind that kind of Things is like so many sacrifices, you know, that uh, yeah. nobody knows actually it happens at home uh, when you are training, you know, like it's never, never perfect. You know, sometimes it goes down, sometimes it, it goes up. But uh, like you said, I, I think the most important thing is to never give up, to always go, go forward. I mean, to always pick up yourself, even if you fell down, I don't know. <laughs> one thousand you know pick up yes. yourself and then just go forward i mean uh and that's 
that's that's the motivation and uh, how you have to look if you want to be successful in every kind of thing, you know, it's not just in the sport, but also if you want to be successful in the business or whatever you do, you have to look like that and uh, you will see just the positive things. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that's a good uh, good way to look at things. Um, when you first moved to the MX2 class your first year, what was something that was surprising? Uh, what, or was there anything surprising, whether it be competition, uh, you know, just the number of races you had, was anything that kind of you weren't ready for? Uh, the first year that I did uh, MX2, uh, it was not full season. I did just uh, selected rounds. I mean, uh, because I was doing like full European Championship MX2. Okay. Uh, EMX2. And then uh, when we didn't have EMX, I did MX2. So uh, basically, what surprised me the most was the level. I mean, how uh, how fast the guys were. <laughs> um, I mean, like they were pushing from the beginning till the check and flag. Uh, even the races were longer. You know, in European Championship, you ride twenty five minutes plus two laps. There in GPS, at the time when I start to ride uh, in MX two was uh, thirty five minutes plus two. So now. They, they they went back to 30 uh, plus two so uh yeah many things surprised me but I was I was uh, ready I mean I adopt uh, quick and uh, yeah it was good <laughs> yeah so your first win was 2015 in the NX2 class is that right in Trevino Trevino yeah article yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you remember about that day yeah I remember everything. I mean, it was uh, for me, and especially doing in the Arco was something special because uh, you know it's one of the closest GPs to to Slovenia, and many many people from Slovenia came there to support me. Uh, so it was a special place uh, where I get my first overall. Yeah, when I, so you just talk about people coming to the race. Um, that's one thing that's awesome about the GPs when I watch and even seeing it a little bit at, at um, MXDN this couple years ago, the fans, like you have the section of fans with your colors and your flags and the air horns. And it's insane. I, that has to feel like, I don't even know how to describe how awesome that must feel to even when you're not winning to have that group of fans that just are obsessed with you and love you and, they're crying for you. It, it's got to be amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. I mean, uh, you know, I'm super thankful, you know, to everyone who came in to support me uh, at the races. Uh, but it's just unbelievable, you know, like you said, uh, especially Trentino, uh, GP in Trentino, and also in Czech Republic, you know, this is kind of like two GPs where they really came in big numbers. I mean, you know, many of them came and uh, support me and even all the Slovenian riders, you know, uh, yeah. that was in the MXGP and MX2. So uh, it's nice to see that, you know, Slovenian peoples are really supportive ones uh, and they know how to support their uh, sportsmen. You're, you're right about that. Um, so, okay, so you win that championship. Then you go into 2016, the following year as a rookie, and win that championship. I mean, first of all, you have these huge battles, you know, in the in the MX2 class with Fabra. You guys go at it all the time. Then you move up to the big boy class and win it in your first year. Were you at all surprised? Was that what what did you think when you win it your rookie year? Um, honestly, yes, I was surprised to win back-to-back -back titles and immediately in MXGP, you know, as a rookie. Uh, but I was expecting to do well because, uh, you know, in the preseason, I have a good winter. Uh, I work really, really hard. And I mean, I was really gelling with the bike. Uh, I, I, I felt that 450 suits me better than 250. Uh, so I was, I was expecting for myself to do well, but not to do so well, you know, to win already first GP in Qatar, you know, I went 1-1, I think, if I remember correctly. That was a huge surprise for everyone. And from that yeah. on, I kind of just built 
from race to the race and get even better during the season. And uh, then on the end, I clinched the title. So uh, it was an amazing year. What? Okay, so I've been, Lewis Phillips from MX Vice. I, do you know Lewis very well? Yeah. Lewis is I a know, great guy. He, uh, he told me that your girlfriend is a big part of your program. She helps you out a lot. Um, I think here in the States, there's a guy named Chris Kiefer that does testing, and he talks about home life. If you have a good home life, if you have this base, uh, whether it be family, you know, if you're an amateur mom and dad support or a girlfriend, wife, how much easier that makes things on you um, because you have that support system always there. Talk about having your girlfriend and, uh, you know, being able to help you out and have somebody with you all the time that has your back. Sure. I, I think the people next to you, you know, they are the most important people because, you know, uh, you know, when you have a bad races or, you know, the day doesn't go like you want, you know, they are the ones that are next to you. They they have to tell you something good to <laughs> motivate you, you know. And uh, that's why, you know, you have a, you know, like group group of people around you that you really feel comfortable with it. Uh, you know, that's, that's definitely my girlfriend. Also, my brother is also on all the races. Uh, also, he's my practice mechanic. Also, okay. my mechanic, you know, like, uh, and also all the team. I felt like, 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 like um, second family when I came on the races because we really, really have a special relationship between everyone. So, uh, for sure, you know, it's really important to have our great people around you because then, uh, it makes your work easier, you know, uh, because, you know, like, you know, uh, maybe, you know, like my girlfriend, she's taking care of all the other things, you know, because I really have to be focused on the racing, on the training every day. Um, so all the other things, she's taking care of it. So uh, it's definitely a huge, I would say, uh, yeah, that is much better, you know, like it helps you a lot. Yeah, really just 100% on the racing. That's good because I think it takes a really special, strong woman to be willing yeah. to give that much, right? Because sometimes they, you know, they, some people, they, they might feel like they're being left out, but she seems, it sounds like she understands what's going on in the end game. And it's, that's, that's really cool. So congratulations on that. Um, okay. I want to ask you, you mentioned Qatar, obviously, <laughs> dude, come on, Qatar, there's the, the, Greatest picture maybe in moto history almost where you're dragging foot pegs and handlebars in a scrub. That's the one of the nastiest scrubs I've ever seen. It's beautiful. Did you feel like a superhuman when you saw the picture back? I mean, uh, yeah, I remember that scrub. Actually, it was in Toschental. It was in uh, Germany uh, in, back in 2016, I think. Um, actually, to me, it happened so quick. <laughs> when, I, when I when I watched the the slow mo, you know, basically then I realized how I how low I was because you know when you are coming, you know when you carry so much speed and it happens so quick, you really don't realize what did you do. But the after yeah. after you know, like I think it was a time practice or something like that. After uh, this guy who take a video came to me and showed me that that scrap and it was a. Uh, Big one, so uh, yeah. big one. <laughs> there, there's a similar picture of James Stewart scrubbing like that, and you two are the only people I've ever seen get that low. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I would have died. Like, there's no, I can't even hardly butt whip, let alone scrub. So, pretty crazy. Um, and I want to, I want to compliment you on being such a humble person. You, you just a few minutes ago talked about the people in your corner being a big part of your program, and I've heard that in our interviews with you that you really do give support. You, you don't seem to have any ego. Um, you seem to be very down to earth, very friendly. Was that part of your raising? Was that how your mom and dad taught you? Is, it just comes naturally? Uh, because we do see sometimes other riders or professional athletes, maybe they don't think about thanking all the people in their corner, but you do a big, really good job of that. Yeah, basically, you know, my father raised me like that. You know, like I have to be all the time with two feet on the ground because, uh, you know, I think that makes you even better person and even better a champion when you became, you know, because, and even I think 
uh, all the fans from Slovenia and all around the world, they can see that because I really take time for them, you know, when we have our signing sessions, I always try to assign as many posters uh, as I can, you know, it's really difficult to sign all of them and take picture with everyone, but I can really, uh, I really show the, the, the respect, I mean, because they came to support us, you know, to support riders. Uh, so I really take care about my fans and everybody around me. Uh, and I think that's, that's good. Like I said, I mean, uh, we are all just humans. Even if you are a world champion, you're just human. And I think that's the yeah. most important thing, you know, uh, be with, uh, be, be always on the ground and, you know, you're going to be even better. Dude, you, you have an amazing attitude. I love it. I'm, I'm becoming so much, I, I was already a fan. I'm becoming a lot, much bigger fan. I love your personality. You're awesome. Um, Okay, I talked about your battles with Fabra. You've had some really incredible competition in your career, whether it be Hurlings, uh, Tony Caroli, obviously Fabra. What is something that you've learned from some of those guys? And who is your favorite guy, <clears throat> excuse me, your favorite competitor to race against? Uh, yeah, like you said, you know, MEGP class at the moment, you know, especially this year is really tough with so many huge names in motocross, you know, uh, so many good riders that can battle for the podiums, you know, mm -hmm. that can battle for the race wins, GPs, uh, even the title. So, uh, yeah, it's just unbelievable, you know, and, uh, you know, you, you try to learn as much as possible because we all are really fast riders, but everyone have a different technique, you know, and uh, when you're watching all the replays, Definitely, many times I watch all the other guys, you know, that I can learn as much as possible from them, you know, because I always say that uh, it's never so good that it can be better, you know, you can always improve, you can always get better. So that's why we train, that's why we put uh, every year, I would say that every year the level of the training is getting higher and higher, you know, yeah. because we, everyone want to win. And that's why everybody is pushing so hard. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I look on, on these kind of things. You know, every year you, you want to be more ready than previous year. And uh, that's why you put more effort and more sacrifice into it. Yeah, so obviously a chair beast who's bringing this interview today is an Italian-based company, Tony Caroli. Uh, they, you know, how do you get along with the other Italian riders and the Italian fans? Do they... Are they very supportive of you? Uh, you know, listen, here in the United States, you, American fans can be very, um, not not very friendly sometimes to people from other countries. Dylan Ferrandez has seen that this year. Uh, whether John Michelle Bell, who you've worked with, has had to deal with that. Is it that way when you're in the GPs? Do you see other countries kind of not being a fan of yours just because you're from another country? Or do you get along well with, for the most part? Um, I would say that I don't feel, but I don't feel that. I mean, even if when I came to Italy, you know, I have many fans there uh, because I'm racing for Italian uh, team, you know, yeah. HRC based in uh, Milan and Giacomo Garibaldi is the owner of the team. So uh, basically I spent a lot of time in Italy, you know, uh, training or testing, uh, so I have a lot of fans. Many people came to me on the GP days and uh, want to talk with me, you know. Um, so I don't feel this kind of thing. I mean, like, I don't feel that uh, when you came in the other country that, you know, that people gives you that feeling that they don't like you, you know. I don't that's feel good. Like so that's I think, good. I think that's good. That's good. Yeah, I wish, I wish our fans would not boo the French riders. <laughs> and it typically is the French riders, and I don't know why. But I don't, I don't like it because Dylan, like Dylan Ferrandez, I've got to know a little bit. He's a really nice guy. I like him a lot. I don't understand. It's just something weird that we do. I, I don't have I don't have an explanation for it. <laughs> um, um, okay, so of your competitors, who do you want to beat the most? Is it Jeff, or does it matter? Um, yeah, I mean. Now, I mean, 2020 season begin. Uh, we did just two races. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then, you know, it was kind of like canceled uh, because of the coronavirus and difficult times, I would say. 
But uh, yeah, definitely, I think with, uh, with Jeffrey, we have a nice battles already on, in first two GPs. Uh, so yeah, Jeffrey is the one that I okay. want to beat. <laughs> I, I understand. All right. You have a, a little bit of a reputation for hanging it out, as we like to say in the United States. You know, wide open. You've had some big crashes that somehow you walk away from a lot of them. Um, is that, do you feel like that might be a weakness or is that your strength that you have that ability to hang it out? James Stewart, is, we, we said this about James Stewart in the past. We hear him, he, he's on the edge. He's out of control. That's what a lot of the media would say about him. And he would say, no, I'm not. That's it, his, in his mind, he's fine. That, that's normal to him. So do you think you're hanging it out or is that comfortable, that, that level, that edge that you're riding on? No, I mean, I feel comfortable when I ride, uh, but I was working a lot. I mean, I'm working on these kind of things to not do so many mistakes, you know, to not crash yeah. so hard. And basically, I can see the improvement. I mean, like uh, when I was in MX2, I was really aggressive guy, you know, like uh, riding really hard on the bike, you know, not smooth at all. But now, last couple of years, you know, when I switched to 450, you, of course, have to be more more, more smoother because 450 bike is stronger, you know. You have to ride it differently than 250. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm working on that to get more smoother, you know. Uh, but, you know, sometimes when you ride on such a high level, you know, uh, the mistakes can came, you know, and uh, it can came really quick. And uh, one little, I mean, like, if you are not focused 100% all the time, uh, you can crash really hard. So I think it's yeah. important to have like, good focus, you know, to focus from the beginning, you know, from the start till the end and not make a mistake. What's the scariest crash you've had? I think the the one from the last year in Matele Beijing was a huge one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I went like four gear wide open and I think I was around 90 kilometers per hour. So uh, that was a huge one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, I think I yelled out loud when that happened. It, yeah. That was scary. <laughs> um, all right. 2019 MXGP championship. Um you know, that that was a – you worked really hard to be consistent in that, that season. Talk about last year a little bit, um, what that season was like overall, just how, your mentality and what it felt like that day to clinch it. Um, yeah, it was just unbelievable, you know, to, to, to win the title again after, uh, I would say, two difficult years with the injuries, mm -hmm. uh, not feeling – good on the bike, not feeling myself at all. Uh, so, uh, you know, in, in 2018, in the, in the late November, when I start with preparation, I make many changes, you know, like how I gonna train. Uh, I, uh, I hired a trainer for physical condition. What was kind of like new to me, I never had a trainer for physical and uh, condition. So, I mean, I, I made many, many changes, and uh, you know, I had a good winter uh, with uh, with Honda HRC. We were testing a lot to really make bike like I want. Uh, I was putting a lot of hours in the sand conditions because sand was kind of like weakest, the weakest point for me. Okay. You know, I always kind of like struggle in Lomo or Valkenswart where the tracks were more sandier. So, uh, you know, I was trying to, to improve in all, all the things where I know that I was behind everyone. And uh, then, you know, like I said, I was coming into the season in good shape, ready 100% to fight for the title. And then on the beginning, we have a nice battle with Tony. Uh, and then, you know, like with the race, with the races, I just get better and better. I was feeling more comfortable. And then on the end, we, we won the title. So it was, uh, it was amazing here. And uh, yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. Do you have a favorite of your three championships? I think they're all special, you know. When you became a world champion, you know, like it's, it's always special. But I would say that maybe the first one 
And then, yeah, I would say all, all three of them, you know, they were, Different all, they were really special. Uh, but maybe the most of all of these three, I would say that uh, maybe now, now the last one, 2019, because I went through a tough time in 2017, 18. Yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of really on the ground and then uh, pick up myself, you know, and uh, climb my way back to the top. So it was a special one. Awesome. Um, winning championships, does that change your life in any way? Um, it's a question I got. I mean, I, there's probably more money, but like, does it make, I don't know, I don't know how to put it, like, does it make life any easier? Does it make it more difficult because of expectations? Uh, does it change your thoughts on life any? What, what does it do any, does it have any effect at all in your life other than just being a champion? I think uh, it can affect you definitely, but I think it depends also of the person, what kind of person you are, you know? Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, you know, personally, uh, I didn't, I think so that I didn't change nothing. Uh, you know, uh, I think I just became a better person uh, because, you know, that's that's what, what I was dreaming about, you know, to become a world champion. And when you get that, you know, like you said, you earn more money, you, you get more media, you know, more media wants you, you know, more interviews, more obligations, more yeah. pressure, you know from yourself and then even from the people around you. Um, so I think it's get, it gets harder, but, you know, as long as you enjoy, uh, it's all good. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so we've talked about, you mentioned the virus and it, it interrupted all of our racing seasons. Um, and from what I understand, you train alone to a degree. You don't, you train, I think, in Slovenia and Croatia is what I was told. Um, how has the, the virus affected you other than not racing? Has it changed how you train? Has it taken, made it more difficult to find places to ride? And how do you find the intensity when you train alone? Uh, basically about the training didn't really change a lot because I have my home gym. I have uh, two private tracks. Uh, so, uh, from this point of view, I can train normally. Uh, I change a little bit the schedule of the training because, you know, now we have a break, three months of break. Yeah. So definitely you don't want to overtrain yourself. Uh, but all the rest is going like normally. Uh, okay, I don't train so much on the bike. I just go once, once a week. Uh, but I will start to train on the bike a little bit more often. You know, when we're going to know when exactly we're going to start racing. Uh, but the rest is normal. I mean, uh, besides not racing, uh, the life is quite normal here, here in Slovenia. Um, just it's kind of like weird that we are now on the end of April, beginning of the May, and we are home, you know. Basically, all the, yeah. all the weekends in the past years, I was traveling, I was on the races. So it feels different. Yeah. Do you like Do you like having a little bit of a break and getting to spend more time, you know, with your girlfriend and relaxing, and maybe some family? Is it Is it kind of nice to have a little bit of downtime? I think uh, you know. I try to always look uh, positive. You know, on, on all kind of things, bad things. You you have to look always positive, and you yeah, know, like uh, we don't have as a racer. You don't have a lot of break, and I think uh, it's not too bad to have a little bit more break, you know, to recharge the batteries, to do a little bit, you know, to, to leave a little bit also, because basically, you know, uh, since, you know, when I start riding motocross and still now, you know, like, and even I think in the future, it's going to be like that, that you don't have a lot of free time, you don't have time to hang out with the friends, you know, you don't stay a lot of time at home. So now is the perfect time to stay at home, to, to, to be with the family, to be with the close ones. So I think it's not too bad. Of course, I'm missing all the races and everything. I can't wait to go uh, on the GPs. Uh, but also, like I said, we always have to be positive, you know, uh, yeah. and look from the other side as well. Uh, I love it, man. You, you seem to be always positive. It's awesome. 
All right, you came over to Monster Cup this last year, um, and you went, let's see here, you went 7-4-4 in the three mains for fifth overall. What did you think of the event, and can you see yourself at some point coming and trying to do some some full-on Supercross races? Um, I mean, it was nice. It was great. I mean, uh, I did that uh, in 2017. Yeah, I didn't do really good. I mean, I, I had a big crash in first main event and then didn't race in the second and, in, and the third one. So uh, basically last year, uh, I kind of like know what to expect already. So I came to US a little bit earlier. I came uh, two weeks before. So I was testing a little bit more. I was racing with Supercross suspension because in 2017 I was racing with my GP suspension. Yeah. They were way too soft. Yes. So, uh, you know, we make the bike like I want and then uh, did a couple of days of riding uh, in Corona uh, where Honda have a test track. And then I definitely felt that I was more ready than 2017 for sure. It was not enough time on the Supercross track because I think I was just uh, five days on the Supercross track before the race. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think I did quite okay. I was quite happy with, uh, with the amount of the time that I have on the Supercross track. Uh, so it was great experience and uh, it was great uh, the end of the great season 2019. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um... Do you have a chance regularly to talk with any U.S. riders? Do you talk with, you know, Honda teammate like Ken Roxon or any of the other U.S. riders? Do you, do you socialize with them very, like, and just talk back and forth about the series at all? Um, I don't, we don't talk so much, but I really follow all the Supercross races. Yeah. Even the old door uh, when they have motocross. Uh, so, uh, yeah, especially, you know, the Supercross, when it starts in the beginning of the January, you know, uh, I always follow all the, all, all the start of days, you know, in the evening, always, uh, staying, staying up late and yeah. waiting for the race. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. So, I mean, since you just said that, who's going to win the championship this year? Who do you think? If, if we go back racing and we get seven more races like they're talking about, Eli or Kenny or Cooper? Uh, I hope and I really want that Kenny win, uh, you know, because, you know, what what he went through, you know, with all the injuries, uh, I think he really deserved it. Yeah, I, I'm torn because I feel the same way, but then I also feel like Eli's come so close and made these little yeah. mistakes every year. So it's And then I'm a big Cooper Webb fan, so I'm okay. torn. I can't even pick. I just, I just want it to finish. I can't wait to get back to racing. I can't wait for the to come back. I'm tired. You know, I go ride, but I don't want to watch my videos. I want to watch you guys ride. So, all right, we got a little bit of time left, so I'm going to get to some fan questions. Okay. Um, it was rumored that you were going to come to the U.S. a couple years ago and race. Was there any truth to that? Um, yeah, if I'm honest, that was a dream of mine. I mean, going to U.S. and race there full time. But, uh, you know, the times are changing and mm -hmm. at the moment, I mean, I feel really comfortable here and uh, in Europe, I would say. And even in, in, in the team, you know, it's, it's really difficult to change something where you really feel home. So, uh, yes, yeah, still, of course, uh, I have, I'm thinking many times to go there and do you know, selected races just to yeah. see how it looks in Supercross. Uh, but to do a full season, I think it's going to be really difficult. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. That, that makes sense. Um, okay. What U.S. rider do you think has the best style? Um, and if, is there a particular track that you would love to come ride? Um, Unadilla. Yeah, I think that uh, you know it's a nice, huge track with uh, a lot of big jumps, high-speed track. Uh, so definitely, yeah, that's that's where I would like to try. <laughs> to okay. Go um, it has to be from America, or that is racing there in the U.S. 
well, yeah, just someone you can pick anybody that's racing in the United States. Um, I think can he have a nice style? Even I really like uh, Adam. You know, he's a yeah. rookie in fifty class, but he really looks super smooth on the bike. So uh, yeah, I would say Kenny and Tala. Okay, good answers. Um, Skippy wants to know if you ever play on other Honda products like a 250F for fun or the uh, the Talon side-by-side. Do you, do you have any other Honda toys that you like to go play on? Uh, basically, no, I have just 450 factory bikes. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but I have the 250 2 uh it's brand i mean it's 2003 it's 2003 uh yeah. but brand new and even like uh you know your ship your sh- uh, uh show make a special suspensions that i'm i'm riding right now on the 450 bike and they make for 2003 to 250 bike so they make many many uh, i would say many parts that yeah. are the same that i'm wearing now i'm riding now so I would like to to try this year, and uh, we will see. I hope that I can do that. That's cool. Okay, let's see. What are some major differences in your factory bike from a stock bike, and are you allowed to customize the frames and the GPS? Um, the difference between my bike <laughs> and the stock bike is like like day and night. I mean, yeah. maybe from outside doesn't really seems different but it's like everything is different you know like uh from the engine inside the engine you know from the chassis yes yeah in mgp you are allowed to to really adjust the chassis like you want you know uh, the angles all these kind of things so basically you can make bike really like you want and i think that's that's a good that's yeah. good yeah all right. Um, this guy wants to know what's the most what's what are you most surprised about from your new teammate Mitch Evans? Uh, Mitch is a great guy. Uh, I know him because last year was uh, his first year here in Europe doing the GPS, um, and he did a well. He did really well. I mean, mm-hmm. he scored some podiums last year in MX2 class. And uh, this year, you know, already in the first two GPs, he showed that he have a good speed. Uh, even during the winter, we were training together in Sardinia. We did uh, a lot of tests together. So his speed was good. And I was kind of like expecting him to do so well, you know, uh, being there in top five. So he did, uh, he did a good job. And I think... Uh, more he gonna ride 450 bike, more he gonna get comfortable and more he gonna get better. Absolutely. Um, okay, so Jason Thomas from Fly Racing wants to know what, how different is your 2021 prototype? <laughs> I get many questions like that. I mean, really? it's like completely, completely new bike. Uh, yeah. I can't really talk about the bike exactly because it's like a prototype bike sure um but you know it's everything different you know like uh but it's good you can see i mean i'm getting great starts uh, yeah. i'm feeling really comfortable on the bike uh so i'm, I'm super happy with the new honda 450 it's a honda baby i love I, i'm i've got a 2006 and a 2015 450 honda so i've been a honda guy since 93 Way before before you were born. Yes. Uh, Okay, so I got a couple more before we run out of time here. Um, What's your biggest dream? Mm, Already won championships. Yeah, I mean, my biggest dream was to win at least one world champion, one world championship title. So uh, now I have already three of them. So, uh, (laughs) you know... (laughs) I think it's it's really important that always when you reach the goal, you know, to make another one. Yeah. Uh, because that's how you never run out of motivation, you know. That's how you are always motivated. And uh, to me, you know, the next goal is trying to defend that title uh, this year, and I will, I will give my best. Awesome. Um, okay. If you didn't ride dirt bikes, what do you think you'd be doing? 
I don't know. I mean, mean, uh, it's really difficult. I mean, like, it's almost impossible to imagine the life without dirt bikes. Uh, But I I don't know. Uh, I would be in some kind of sports. I I don't know, different sport. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe footballer. (laughs) I was going to ask. Of course, we call it soccer. But is that that what you're talking about? Soccer or, like, uh, rugby? Soccer. Soccer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that man, those guys have to be in shape too. So you're probably already ready. That that's like the second most physically demanding sport: motocross and soccer or football. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be cool. Um, okay, last question for you: um, What do you see in the future of motocross? Um, do you ever see racing electric bikes? Uh, where do you see the sport going? Um, I mean, motocross here in Europe is getting bigger every year. Uh, more people are coming to the race and races and everything, but I mean, like, like you said, with electric bikes and all these kind of things, because all the manufacturers they are starting to develop electric bikes and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm not huge fan of electric bikes because okay. I think motocross, you know, motocross bike have to have a sound, you know, have to have a smell <laughs> yeah. in the bike. So, uh, honestly, I don't know. I hope that we will, we will stay on the gas bikes forever. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I got to ride an Alta last year, and I liked it, but it, it was weird for sure. But I ride, yeah. with, I ride with music in my, head, in my ears anyway. So, uh, but, yeah, but, Tim, it, it has honestly been an honor to get a chance to talk to you. I hope you come to the U.S. sometime and – Come to an event, maybe I'll get a chance to meet you. Uh, I want to thank a Cherubis Motorsports and a Cherubis USA for allowing me to do this. Um, again, I'm Darkside from the Moto X Pod Show. If you guys listen to podcasts, check us out. Tim, thanks, man. It's it's been an honor, and you are an amazing human being. Perfect. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, sir. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for everything. All right. Thanks, man. You have a good day and uh, good luck when the GPs get going again. Thank you. You too. All right. See ya. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for watching.